After the horrific terror attacks on Israel this fall, life here in the Holy Land has changed, and life has remained changed for those who live here. An ongoing war with Hamas, an ongoing rocket attacks from Gaza, and especially the lives devastated personally by the violence of October 7th. Since then, the fellowship has been working nonstop on the ground, providing for the thousands of people who had lives that were devastated that day. And the fellowship's millions of friends around the world have shown their love for the people of Israel through prayers, through support, and through making our work possible. But there's so much work still left to do. So this week, I want to discuss Israel, this land, this holy land that we call home, and the attacks that changed it forever. But I also want to talk about what's being done to rebuild, to regrow, to bring hope to this land that God has given us about what is being done to make the desert bloom once again. So today, I have invited a very, very special guest to the podcast. Moran is an Israeli father who lives in Nachal Oz, a kibbutz in southern Israel near Gaza. You probably heard it in the news recently, not for positive reasons. It's been difficult, and they've lost so many friends and neighbors. As the agriculture director of the kibbutz, and as a father, a husband, a friend, a neighbor, Moran played an important role in the community in the days and years before October 7th. Then, on that morning, on October 7th, Moran experienced the horrors that so many people living in southern Israel did that day. Thank God Moran and his family survived, which we will discuss, but many of their loved ones did not with others still being held hostage to this day. And in the wake of the attacks, just like others across the area of Israel that were violated and devastated and destroyed by Hamas, Moran is still hopeful. He's hopeful that he'll rebuild and regrow. So while this is a difficult decision, it's what represents the spirit of the people of Israel, the spirit of hope. And so today, Moran, I want to welcome you to my podcast. Good morning. Good morning, and thank you so much for being with us. I want to discuss so many things, learn about you, learn about the kibbutz. Um, but here in Israel, when we use the word kibbutz, we all know what it means. Our American audience, uh, mostly Christian audience, has been hearing this word kibbutz. And I'm sure they've heard the term before, but they don't fully understand necessarily what it is. Can you explain to us what is a kibbutz, and what specifically was Nachal Oz like, the place that you called home? Kibbutz is a small community. We are about uh, 180 members of the kibbutz, but uh, living in a kibbutz, we have uh, about 350 people. Uh, kibbutz is something that we, we are a very close community. Everybody knows each other, of course, and support each other. As, as much as we can. Um, the new kibbutz is now financially, everyone has to take their own uh, measures in order to uh, uh, to make living for themselves. But if something happened and, and one cannot afford to, to provide for himself, the kibbutz will step up and, and make it work for him. So basically, a kibbutz, a kibbutz Nachalos was established in 1951 uh, it was a military base then two years later it became a kibbutz a settlement 
which was called Nachal uh, Oz that day. And since then, the kibbutz is growing. We have about a thousand acres. We grow bananas, we grow avocados, we grow potatoes, carrots, wheat, sunflowers, all kinds of things, watermelons, etc. This is something called the kibbutz, a small community, traditionally based on agriculture. This is how we are. It sounds incredible. It sounds like a dream. You're living on the land, you're growing the crops, you're basically the heartland of Israel. We are called the barn of Israel because we <laughs> grow most of the wheat as someone who is responsible for providing food for the people of Israel. Uh, I, I really take take good care of the fields and uh, knowing that the, all the what I'm growing is going to the Israeli people. And, and yes, I'm part of, uh, of feeding the, the, the nation. Yes. It's incredible because most places in the world and developed countries, when you grow crops, you actually export them to other countries. And here in Israel, with 95% of the crops uh, being grown inside of Israel and Israel being the size of New Jersey, a very small country, everything that you're growing there is going to feed your neighbors and your people that are not more than a two-hour drive away from your home. So I could imagine you grow it with lots of love. Yes, of course. This is this is us. This is ours. And basically all what we grow first going into the Israeli market and then if something is, is left and you can earn more money in exporting that, we'll do that. Amazing. So first we feed our own and then we're able to go and, and help the world with what we're able to. Um, Nachal Oz, I've been there many times. I actually just recently, we had, uh, the first trip in 40 years of our board of directors to Israel, and we took them to Nachal Oz because it's just a community, which is so close, which is so dedicated, which is so Zionist, which is committed to family, community, Israel, and the world. How long have you lived in the incredible community of Nachal Oz? And can you tell me a little bit about how you raised your family there in southern Israel on the border with Gaza Strip? Um, I was actually born in Nachal Oz in 1970, wow. um, where I met uh, my wife there that came on uh, in 1979. Uh, we met there and... It was love at first sight. No, but uh, <laughs> basically, since then we are together. Um, I'm raising uh, my five kids over there, and I'm trying to put into their hearts and minds uh, the actual idea that we, we are the pioneers of the recent days. We are there, uh, just upon Gaza. My home is 600 meters from the border. Wow. And. Uh, for 20 years, we are uh, suffering uh, the Gaza uh, bombing. Uh, we have the red alerts that uh, that is sounds for 20 years now, uh, trying to put into them the strength and uh, in mind that they can cope with everything they have. They will we will throw life will throw upon them uh, after suffering all the attacks and uh, and coping with them. So, so really they I'm were trying... raised with these terror attacks. This isn't something yeah. new. Yes, the, we, we are raised with with attacks, uh, usually bombs, 
I would not say we're used to it because you cannot get used to something like that. If the the red alert sounds, they are going to, to the safe room. This is their part of the war. Wow. So and, from the time they're young, you're building in them resilience, that they realize they didn't do something wrong. They're only living their lives, planting the fields, caring for the animal, loving their family. And their part in the conflict is keeping themselves safe and needing to run exactly. to the safe room which is an incredible message of both empowerment and resilience and also recognizing that, yes, even within the beautiful uh, idealistic community of Nachal Oz, right nearby there is evil. So you could live in a beautiful idealistic world with friends and community and love, and you also have to still recognize that evil does exist um, and that we have to do everything to protect ourselves from that, whether it's running to a safe room or even evacuating during times of war because you're so close. Which brings me to October 7th. Tell me about that day, Moran. What did you experience? Oh, that horrible day. Yeah. It started at 6.20, 6.30, something like that. With the, They started the red alerts. I hope everybody is, uh, knows what, what it is. Yeah, when, it, rockets uh, are, we, when rockets are yeah, being launched from Gaza, how long do you have? Once you hear the red alert, which is a sign that a rocket was launched, and you have to go to the safe room, how long do you have from the time the red alert starts until the rocket lands? Three to five seconds, I would say. <laughs> Not much. So, not not much. We we are we are used to it. We we the, the red alert is sound. We are just getting up and going to the safe room as as uh, as quickly as we can. Mm-hmm. Uh, no stalling. We just go in there. Uh, we hear the bomb falling, and 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 then we can go out. On that day, the red alert sounds one after the other, and again and again and again and again. So we went to to the safe room. And we have two safe rooms, as a matter of fact, in in, uh, in my home. So three of my boys were in the in one safe room, and we are we had we were in the in the other safe room. And then there was uh, big bombs uh, all the time in the kibbutz. And one of my kids was shouting, "Oh, it's here! It's here! It's here!" He was hit by a, a by debris from a, a, from a bomb that fell two, that fell two meters from our home shattering the the window of the safe room and then they came to our kibbutz to to our safe uh, safe room by that time we started hearing shots now when you live near a near the border and you're accustomed to to hearing shots you you know what kind of shots there are and we knew exactly that this were this weren't the idf shot coming from the idf rifles uh, we heard them quite uh, quite close, so me and my old son said, "Okay, we have to get uh, to get into the safe room." We went all over the house and closed all the doors, all the windows, shutting the windows, locking everything, and we went to the safe room. Then we were in that safe room for. Uh, I'll jump to the end. We were in this in this safe room for eleven long, long hours. What, what were you thinking during those eleven hours? You cannot think anything, really. But the thing, the thing that I went through my mind is, why don't I have a rifle of my own? I need mm-hmm. a gun. You need to, to protect, protect your family. There yeah. is nothing yeah. that I can do to protect my family, except of holding the the handle of the safe room. And this is what I done for eleven hours. 
one ear on the door to hear them coming and, and two hands on the handle just to try to keep my family safe. During that time, we have we have a WhatsApp uh, group of the kibbutz, yeah. and we and we heard and we read all the the information that came coming from there. It was it was horrible, horrible. You you hear a you you read a message of a, of one of the community saying, "I see the uh, I see the terrorist." They're at my home. They're trying to break into the safe room. They're shooting everything. Come, please, save me, save me. Where is the military? Come and save us. Everyone that has a gun, please come to save us. They are murdering us. They are shooting at us, etc., etc., etc. And more and more and more. This was long, long six hours of these messages from all over the kibbutz. And, and from the outside, you hear all the time the shooting. You start a conversation with one of your neighbors saying they're shooting, they're shooting, they're shooting at my door, and that's it. No more messages. So it was really, really, really hard for us. Some terrorists came into the row of, of houses that we live in. Uh, on the first house, they killed all the family. They got into the safe room, killed the father, killed the mother, and killed two daughters that they, that were with them. Went on to the next house. The next house was a empty because they were abroad. So they went to the next house. They took hostage a father, a mother, and two and two small uh, small daughters, mm. and took the seventeen years old to go with them and knock on our doors and call us in his oh, voice. Yeah. He knocked on my door, uh, saying. Come out, come out, it's safe, it's okay. And we didn't answer, of course. We were very silent. And he he turned to the terrorists and said, they're not home, and passed mm -hmm. them over to, to my neighbor. Wow. Um, they went into, into my neighbor's home and killed one of, uh, of his daughter, mm -hmm. the, the daughter, kidnapped him, went over next to the, to the next door, kidnapped from there this is they kidnapped Tzachi and then they kidnapped Omri and then they went on and the, the next door there were two uh, two American civilians they took them too and went away so in total we have 14 killed oh, yeah. we have six uh, kidnapped and one is missing still my uh, my very good neighbors are kidnapped uh, my neighbor Tzachi, who was my my coffee buddy, if you know in Israel, a coffee buddy is something very important for us, and I still miss him. I hope he will come back to me, to us, to the community, to his family. I think what's so important for people to realize is that life in Israel is like life anywhere, in Florida or New York or in London. We have our friends, we have our neighbors, we have our communities, we have our families. And suddenly, in an instant, your community was torn apart. Your neighbors kidnapped, their children killed, your coffee buddy is now in Gaza, that it's too easy to think of these people as a number or politics, but they're just individuals like you and me hearing your miraculous story that could have 
easily, God forbid, been you and your children if it weren't for the miracle? Luckily for us, we had some uh, a force of uh, of uh, of the police that were there uh, to uh, to oppose and to to shoot at the terrorist and this and these eleven guys that uh, that fought for uh, for us really are the difference between what happened in Kfar Aza and Beeri and what happened in Nachaloz. They saved many, many, many of us. If it weren't for them, we were slaughtered. The terrorists, you have to understand, they came with a mission. Their mission was to kill us and kidnap us and to ruin everything that we ever worked for. Mm -hmm. They got into our homes. They shattered TVs. They, sh they, 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 they did everything in their power to burn everything, to, to steal all the things that they, they, that they wanted. In my kibbutz, there were 400 people from Gaza came into our kibbutz to burn, destroy, kidnap, uh, rob, whatever they could. They burned tractors. They stole our tractors. They stole every, they stole cars. They they kidnapped people. Yes, guys, it happened to me. It happened to the community. You cannot say that it didn't happen. I saw it with my own eyes. You cannot say that. You cannot say that they are they are humane or that they they did something in order to keep us human. No. They executed a worker of mine with a hoe. Mm. They did all kinds of things that you cannot you cannot grasp the horror of things that they did. I I have to I have to tell you that if you are thinking about what is wrong and what is right. This is the most wrong that you can ever possibly that you that can ever possibly cross your mind. This is the worst of the worst of whatever you can think of. I will tell you that the terrorists that came into into our homes and took our friends and took our friends' lives, they were just unhumane. Unhumane. It's something that I think nobody could even grasp with their mind because it's so horrible. It's so vile. It's so violent that it's hard to believe one person can do that to another. And what you experienced and what you continue to experience is something that could put anyone into a state of despair, into depression, into giving up. But you, Moran, and your entire community, along with all the people of Southern Israel and all the people of Israel sitting here in my home in, in Northern Israel, I, I think that what has tied us all together is the decision that we're not going to be victims, but we're going to be unified and we're going to have hope. And it's a hard decision, but it's a critical decision. Can you tell me, Moran, how are you... How do you envision life on your kibbutz in the future? Do you still so want to go back there? 
I want to start with the, with something that happened right after we went uh, from uh, from out from the kibbutz. Yeah. So we went out from the kibbutz on that night, and we came into a, another kibbutz in the north of Israel, which is called Mishmar Emek. Mm-hmm. We came here at six in the morning. Six in the morning, they were waiting waiting for us with breakfast because we didn't eat, we didn't drink, of course, in the in the safe rooms. Yeah. We didn't have the time to go to the bathroom either. We did what we have to do in order to survive this horror. So we got here, and by the hour of 10, most of Israel were here bringing us clothes and toothbrushes, toothpaste, Mm -hmm. shampoos, soaps, etc. And and more and more and more, all the things that we had to, uh, we had to maintain basic life for ourselves so just hours after what happened to us we had a roof up over our head we had clothes and we have all the basics in order to maintain ourselves from that that hour so until now still going all the people of israel are with us and i can tell you after i was in uh, for for 10 days in the u.s not all, not only Israel is uh, is behind us. The whole Jewish and Israel lovers, non-Jewish, are behind us. We can feel it. We can hear it. We can we we can we can we know that it is there, and it is very very encouraging and uh, and bringing strength uh, to to know all this. Now, you were asking about the future. Yeah. Well, Kibbutz Nachaloz is there right now. Mm-hmm. I'm going back and forth three times a, a week wow. uh, to maintain the the basic of agriculture that we have over there. We have bananas and avocados. They are there. They're still growing. There are trees. Trees are like people. You have to you have to irrigate. You have to do all, all kind of things in order to maintain it. Now. As I said, all our, all our tractors were were either burned or stolen. We have to buy new tractors. We have to start. Uh, we have to start everything over again. I know, and I'll do everything in my power in order for the kibbutz to be bigger, better, more beautiful. And I can tell you that in this on this minute right now, we are uh, we are sowing wheat just 400 meters from the border we are doing it right now with tanks protecting us but we will do it and we will do everything in our power in order to bring uh, like you said blooming of the of the desert to bring the green back to bring the red back to bring all the colors uh, back to our fields this will be our picture of triumph uh, when my uh, sunflower will blossom there and you will see the 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 field of a uh, of sunflower this is what will will make me happy wow it is inspiring to see just like the story of hanukkah that when they come with darkness you respond with light and you're not leaving your home you're not leaving your community you're not going to stop growing the food for the people of Israel, you're going to do it even stronger and with even more passion. And you, Moran, and all of your 
friends and family in near Oz and the entire South are the backbone of uh, the light in this world that we are all looking at and in awe of. So I want to thank you so much for taking the time to speak with me today. Um, and I want you to know that you have friends all over the world who are here for you, who are praying for you, who are following your work. And I can't wait to be with you when that sunflower blooms in Nachal Oz as you make the desert bloom once again. Thank you so much, Moran. So I will say that. I will say that we are going to do that. We are going to do it uh, together, united. Uh, I want to uh, to say that you can be a part of it. You can be a part of making history and bringing back uh, all the kibbutzim from uh, from Otef Aza, from, from near Gaza. Um, it will be hard. Yeah. It will take a lot of money. It will take a lot of courage. It will take a lot of agony. Okay, I'm ready for it. We will be there as as the 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 pioneers. We will rebuild everything. We are rebuilding it right now, and we will continue doing it. And we'll do it the best we can. Like you said, the darkness will be answered with bright light. That's our goal. Amen. And we are here by your side, Moran, for the for the long path. That's not going to be easy, but we are not going to abandon you. We are with you until the end. Thank you for listening to the Conversations with Yael podcast. If you like what you have heard, please check out my weekly podcast, Nourish Your Biblical Roots, that explores the Jewish roots of the Christian faith with inspirational and ancient teachings. You can also visit me at mybiblicalroots.org for more of my teachings, videos, blogs, and books. Follow me on Instagram at Yael underscore Eckstein or on Facebook at Yael Eckstein. Shalom and see you next month.